Okay, so one thing about me, I'm going to get my food delivered. It kind of just falls under the general umbrella of convenience, which as we know is a core principle of my life. And I've been a DoorDash user for a while now, as I'm sure many of you are, but I specifically want to talk to you about DashPass because it's kind of really the way you get the most from delivery, which as a side note, if you use code CBC24, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. But let's zoom in for a second on what DashPass is. Basically, it's the most affordable way to get anything in your area delivered to your door. So it's helping you save money and time with every DoorDash order. And number one, $0 delivery fees and lower service fees on eligible orders. So it makes it really easy to save on groceries, retail items, restaurants, all of your local favorites that deliver on DoorDash. And then this is the thing that really sold me. DashPass pays for itself on average in two orders. So it makes delivery even more worth it. Plus, DashPass gives you special access to exclusive promotions, member-only menu items, all for only $9.99 a month. Get more from delivery for less. Sign up for DashPass today only on DoorDash. Use code CBC24 and get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $12 or more after signing up for DashPass. Subject to change, terms apply. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Isabel. And welcome to our Vanderpump Reunion Part 3 Debrief. <laughs> I can't believe that we're here. I'm sorry, my head is spinning. I mean, before we get into anything, I just need to give a moment of context. Like, I know all of us are losing our shit, but I just need to walk you guys through <laughs> this night. So for anyone who may or may not know, the air quality in New York is currently at a hazardous level. We're about a 2.56 at the moment, recording this around 11.50 p.m. because of the Canadian wildfires. So we were invited <laughs> okay, to- Okay, Al Roker. <laughs> so we were invited to, which is not funny, but we were invited to this watch party put on by Bravo. And I have like this splitting headache from being outside for a total of 20 minutes today, even masked, that I was like, Isabel- I can't do this. You got to go solo. So Isabel masks up <laughs> and is at the live watch party with Lala, with Sheena, with Jackson, Brittany. I'm on my couch, like suffering through this splitting headache, taking notes because I know that there's no way she could be taking notes while watching this in the moment. I mean, and you know what? I would do it all again. I, I, I can't even get into all of the details right now because I have to talk about this episode with you, but it was so much fun, and I need you to imagine watching the biggest game in sports in the team's like hometown bar. That's what the energy was in the bar that I watched this in tonight. Sheena is there, okay? So when she walks back out at the reunion, the crowd goes wild. Everyone's chanting Sheena. She's vlogging. Brock is vlogging. Lala is singing the theme song over the balcony before going to watch what happens live. Jackson, Brittany are there. I mean, everyone, including the audience was just so hyped up and we were watching it on 50 screens scattered around the entire bar. And I mean, because of the chanting and the laughing and the screaming, there might be some points that I just simply did not hear what was going on. But all in all, I know what the fuck was going on because I'll tell you, those last five minutes, you could hear a pin drop in the place. Well, and I think this is a huge point to mention. You guys were, let's say, 15 or so minutes ahead of us. And so- we were watching the the uncensored quote, pumped up version that comes out on Peacock tomorrow. So there might be a couple of things. I can't imagine anything super important, but things that I saw that you didn't. But let me tell you something. 
Up until now, I've been recording our recaps right after the live version. So I haven't really been watching it uncensored, except like when I go back and watch clips. But so far during our recaps, I've only been watching it on TV. The uncensored is a literal other world experience because you just... Something about dropping an F-bomb and not hearing the beep. And when they, they're they dropping See You Next Tuesdays, they're dropping everything under the sun. And something about that just hits different. And it was like, oh my God, I felt it in my gut. If somebody read our text from tonight, I, I don't even know what conclusion they would have drawn as to where we both were because it was, I, we were both texting each other. I'm sweating profusely. I'm sweating profusely. You're texting me. No, you don't understand what's going on. Jack's to my right. Brittany to my left. Like (laughs) it was just, everything was in rare form. I can't imagine how everybody is feeling right now. I think we all need to take a deep breath. I can't believe that this was part three of everything that we've just been waiting for. And I can honestly say, we'll get into the quote bombshell the last five minutes, but all in all, this reunion and this whole season not only lived up to the hype, but exceeded all expectations I've ever had of television. Absolutely changing the game for reality TV. We are so grateful to be alive for this. We say it every week, but now that the season has come to an end, let us really say it one time with such emphasis, God bless Vanderpump Rules. God bless Vanderpump Rules. Wait, I also want to say, we just came on here a few minutes ago before we started recording. Isabel comes on, I'm like, did you lose your voice a little? She's like, I honestly think so because I was just like, I was screaming good as gold so loud. And anytime I had to talk, it was so loud. I was screaming. It was, you don't understand. Like you just, <laughs> I can't explain to you guys that it was a the rowdiest event I've ever been to. <laughs> And we went to fucking Syracuse. Like we were at Syracuse when they were in the final four. Okay. This said nothing on that. I just cannot get over the juxtaposition of you screaming your heart out to good as gold surrounded by the entire cast and me watching it curled up on my couch with a splitting headache from the air quality and us both just like absolutely losing our minds. No, but I also need to just give a shout out to Bravo and Peacock and whoever ran this event because the details were so incredible. Like the names of the drinks even were the pump teeny, the revenge dress, galaxy lights, and the little Maki mock. <laughs> it was perfect. It was perfect. And I am so on level 10 right now, literally buzzing. The minute that the show faded to black, my Uber pulled up and I was out of there and I literally turned on the mic. So here we are. Yeah, here here we fucking are. By the way, in what world did we think that we weren't going to record until tomorrow morning? Like, you realize that was our initial plan. No, it, it would never have happened. It would never have happened. There was something really, like, special and just so exciting about being in the same room as all of them while we're watching this, like, historic moment and being there near Sheena while we're watching her make these reactions in the trailer and getting to laugh and cheer her on. And also, getting to be near Lala and hang out with her. And then she left to go to watch what happens live to recap it with Andy and Tamra. Everything about that is just like the most perfect scenario and really has set me up and fueled me to get into this absolute perfect shit show of an episode. Well, let's, let's do exactly that. So I think the smartest thing to do here is we start with the last five minutes first, because clearly that is the moment everyone is talking about the most. How do you feel about that? I could not agree more. 
I don't know about you guys, but I am one of those people where every year on Daylight Savings, having that extra hour of light in the evening just like completely transforms my mood. I feel like I am not me when it gets dark at 4 p.m. And obviously the flip side of that is that first morning after springing forward can be rough. So I want to tell you about something that can make it so much easier, so much more enjoyable. It's called Hatch. And Hatch can help you choose sleep, prioritize healthy habits, and then also make the time change transition seamless and enjoyable. So the Hatch Restore helps you build sleep habits that make your unwind and wake routines simple and enjoyable. So a phone-free bedtime, no matter what time of year it is, which again, is really a habit I'm trying to change this year, and this has very much helped it. And then with the Hatch Plus subscription, you can access the latest routine-building features like Cue to Unwind, which signals you that it's time for bed, and Pillow Talk, which is kind of like your favorite shows or socials without the screen to keep you up. For me, that's like such a wonderful feature because it helps me unwind, but not in a way that feels unnatural. It's kind of like the benefit I get from scrolling my phone without scrolling my phone. And then waking up in the morning is just so much more peaceful. Like I don't think it's good to wake up to that jarring alarm sound. So to have kind of an easy wake up, I've just really enjoyed my morning so much more. Right now, Hatch is offering our listeners $20 off your purchase of the Hatch Restore and free shipping at hatch.co slash CBC. Visit hatch.co slash CBC to get $20 off and free shipping. Hatch.co slash CBC. Before we even get into anything Raquel said here, just generally for a second and tell me what you think about this. Don't get me wrong. Those were an excellent last five minutes, but I think they really did a disservice by categorizing this as a quote bombshell because it's not really a bombshell. We weren't necessarily getting this brand new information. And I think setting us up to feel that we were maybe left people a little bit disappointed. Whereas if it was more so set up as just riveting television, I think people wouldn't have that expectation of receiving something totally new because yes, was it a little bit of additional information? Kind of, but it wasn't anything groundbreaking. It was more so the way it was delivered. The first sign of emotion we saw from her, the look that it really shows you into just the deep manipulation that was going on. I mean, there was so much there and the least of it being the quote bombshell nature. Yeah. I think this was like something that got taken a little bit out of context and because of how excited everybody was and also like our longing for this to be the most groundbreaking episode of TV ever. Of course we wanted it to be like some insane bombshell because we wanted more and it it sort of snowballed into like, what is it going to be? It's something we could never imagine when in reality it was sort of like, a scaled down version of like maybe what we thought. However, yes, maybe is it not the most crazy thing? Like we probably could have guessed a lot of things. Everything she said to me was, if you understand the nuances, if you're in as deep as we are, you understand like the gravity of this Mexico trip. You understand the dynamics of what was going on. We were analyzing when Tom was making those annoying Raquel, Raquel, and when they were in the hot tub together, all of that stuff. You also have to zoom out and understand how just this five minutes of her talking six days after the reunion gives us more insight into their relationship, I think personally, than we got in all three parts. Because yeah, we broke down the facts and the timeline and what had happened and how it happened, but the inner workings and ins and outs of their relationship were not on display. So to see her talking and getting so much insight into like how he 
played her, how he manipulated her, what their conversations looked like behind closed doors, how she views him and sort of the power dynamics. Like you, I mean, you could write a a fucking college essay about this. You could write a dissertation. We could record the entire episode just based on these five minutes. And that to me is what makes it a bombshell aside from the new information that we learned. Yes, it was the delivery of it all and really understanding the fact that here she was effectively walking into this confessional and at least in her eyes, betraying the only person that has been her ally in all of this. You know, she was very aware of the response he would have when knowing that she said that. And clearly it was a moment where something shifted for her. It was almost, I don't want to say that she got jolted from being under his spell because clearly that was very much still at play, but you got to see for the first time she was going quote off script and we were watching her in real time process that. I really wonder what his reaction was and is to this because I almost feel like now that it's out, like we said, it's not that big of a deal. Maybe he'll be more mad about her exposing sort of how they had this plan and that he was being so strict about this timeline and not wanting to hurt Ariana and also just like the fucked up things that they did, such as having sex multiple times in Mexico, having sex in their house while Ariana was away for her grandma's funeral. I just don't know if he'll care enough. I don't know the status of their relationship at the current moment. I'm obviously dying to know. But I just, I mean, I could watch the footage of them in the dressing room where she's taking off her dress and putting back on her like pajamas and they're doing the switch for Sheena to come in. I could have watched that for hours. It was so sickening, but it was also, like I said, that's the kind of content we were craving, similar to when he goes to her apartment and they have the galaxy lights on. I can't look away. Like I almost was watching with my hands covering my eyes, but I... I'm so intrigued by seeing actually, all right, what's the meat of this? What's going on here? What's the relationship? Especially after hearing them both fully admit that they are in love with each other. And that was only six days before this confessional was filmed. Well, wait, hold on. A million things to say about that. But in regards to what you said about them in the dressing room, I need to make this point. I've been dying to make this point to you to hear what you think about this. I thought that one interaction was potentially the most telling of any they have had so far because of the one moment where she's getting changed and she says to him, yeah, you know, the moment that really got me was when James said that Allie's an upgrade. And then she kind of makes a joke like, I guess she is at this point. And she looks at him. The reason that to me, that was such a noteworthy moment was because here they both were on stage for the last hour getting absolutely reamed out. I mean, What she took in terms of what people were saying to her, whether or not she deserved it, is very jarring and difficult for any human being to hear. I don't care how bad of a person you are. You know, like consistently being told by a large group of people for an hour straight that you are the scum of the earth is not an easy thing for anyone to hear. Yet for her to come off of that stage and that to be the thing that she took away the most just goes to show you that what she was getting from Sandoval above anything else was deep, deep male validation. Because when she looks at him and she tells him that that was the thing that stuck with her the most, she was looking for a reaction from him. At least that's the way that I took it. Yeah, I mean, I have to watch that again. I also think she thought it was just like funny and maybe was one part of it that she was able to like 
take a little bit of self-deprecation out of because maybe it wasn't the heaviest or maybe it was actually a takeaway. Like, I I don't know. Of course, it's so loaded. But again, watching them in that dressing room, also to me, I mean, immediately he walks in and she, like the level of comfort of her touching him and like getting whatever, the glitter off his face and like wiping his jacket off, like that is some boyfriend-girlfriend shit. And just seeing that in action was like, whoa. Like even more than when they were in her apartment, it was such a whoa to me. No, I know. And also I think at this point, they're a little bit more comfortable with the cameras being on them together. Whereas when they were at her apartment with the galaxy lights, it was really the first time. It was kind of like the lights had just been turned on as we discussed last time. I mean, hold on. Sorry to jump all over. We need to just quickly go back to the last five minutes for a second because as she is outlining this timeline and saying, you know, not only did it happen multiple times in Mexico, but it it also happened other times throughout. I think our response was kind of like, well, we knew that. And that's why you even texted me this while you were watching the reunion before that. Like, wait, they're saying they only had sex once. Like I actually was more confused by that than I was by her saying this towards the end, because no part of me ever thought that it was just once. And so just watching the way this whole thing went down, it really goes to show you just the intensity behind Tom's anger from last week when he couldn't get those few minutes with her untelevised, just to show really the extent of the detailed planning and puppeteering that was going on. I can't believe that that was like the direction that they wanted to go, I guess, for timeline purposes, but they were still saying that they had that one night stand way before. But then they never wanted to bring up the Mexico, I think, because it was such close quarters. Like, you know, there was a lot going into that. And because that was when she fucking kissed Schwartz, which like, I mean, Freud would have a field day with this. And the hooking up in their house. Like, I just would do anything to be there when they were sort of having a strategic meeting of deciding, okay, what is our story going to be? And what are we leaving out and why? And why is this supposedly going to soften the blow for Ariana? I'm telling you right now, it wasn't... I think a meeting implies involvement from both parties. I think it was a sit down where he outlined exactly how it was going to go down and she took notes. And you can tell based on the way that she was explaining this. And I'm not saying that is, you know, in defense of her by any means. I think they are both really sick individuals, but I think it's funny. It's like somehow we do this thing and I've seen other people do this as well, where, you know, you're confronted with these two people and I don't know if it's the natural response to kind of choose like the lesser of two evils. And I feel like we go back and forth last week. I think we were saying, or at least I feel like I was saying, you know, at least Sandoval showing some emotion. Whereas this week, if I'm choosing, it was Raquel being the less of two evils, because I think I was having a deeper understanding of just the extent of, of Tom's manipulation, which I also want to say, it's kind of like the elephant in the room. I know there are a lot of theories and maybe theories aren't even the right word, but a lot of people making assertions as to what they think could be going on with Raquel in terms of, you know, mental health wise, potential diagnoses, whatever you want to call it. I guess what I want to say to that is like, we obviously see that as well. I just think there's a really big difference between like talking about that with your friends and then talking about it on a podcast. Like (laughs) I just don't feel comfortable saying that. And I know neither do you on a podcast where it's like, yeah, Anything that you may be thinking, we're probably thinking it too. It's just like, I promise you, if you were talking on a mic, you wouldn't feel comfortable making that type of a like diagnosis of someone as well. It's just not the cool thing to do. 
A hundred percent. I mean, there's so many things that go into all of this. Oh, sorry, that email was, I just ordered us some merch from something about her. So um, <laughs> I ordered the, I ordered us two double XLs of the fuck me in this t-shirt, which we'll obviously get into that too, but just got a little present that I've been recording. One thing about me, I'm going to be fucked in that t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Just as God and Ariana Maddox intended. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, yes, I agree with you. I think there's so much that goes into this. And honestly, going so hard on Raquel, look, we're human. She's human. Everyone's human. A, a huge consensus that I have felt since this episode aired a couple hours ago was maybe moving the needle an inch towards Raquel of understanding potentially how she got in this situation and how the hole got dug so deep and how it was really hard, especially when Sandoval was there. You know, everyone's like, well, why didn't you just tell her? Why didn't you just tell her she's your best friend? Like, there was a lot going on there. There's clearly a huge power dynamic at play. Also, she was not only under his spell and under his control, but she was in fucking love with him and wanted to do whatever was best. And it was his relationship in his hands, technically not hers. Like, there is so much that goes into this. And I think, I guess my point is like, it's okay if you feel a little bit bad for her after tonight, because I I can definitely understand that. And it's almost like when you watch cult documentaries and you want to say like, well, why don't you just leave? But it's way, way, way more complicated than that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's like, obviously nothing is excusing that behavior. Of course, it's a disgusting thing to do to another human being, of course. But if there is like a human reaction, I just, I think, allow yourself to feel that. Also, the thing we didn't even talk about in the last five minutes is when she, and I honestly feel as though she was being dead serious. To me, this did not feel like it had comedic intention when she says, you know, I really thought maybe we could be a throuple. And he said, no, 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 she would never go for that. Like, I swear to you, I think that that is a legitimate thought process that went through her head. I think her thought process was, okay, what is the solution where everybody wins? So technically, you know, if I just join their relationship, no one has to break up and no one's cheating and we can all just live happily ever after without any actual like dose of reality there that of that's, first of all, not what she or he are really looking for. And like, I mean, the other thousand reasons that that just is like simply not the answer. But I think she really was in her like fairy tale La La Land of thinking, okay, well, what's, you know, what's a good solution? Like, it's just not realistic. I, I can't explain it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes. she was like, oh, well, this makes sense. You know, this is where nobody gets hurt. Well, that's, she was in so deep in this world that I think she totally lost sight of reality. I mean, some could say she never had reality in sight in the first place. I also actually think, you know, these last five minutes aside, during one of the commercial breaks, when Lala turns to Ariana and she asks, you know, just out of curiosity, basically, what would you have done if Tom came to you and said that he's starting to have feelings for Raquel or he noticed he has developed feelings for her? And Ariana basically said it would have been one of two things, either we are done or you never talk to her again. And I I thought that was a really interesting question that no one had asked. Right, because I think we've played that game too. What if, what if Tom had come to her and said, 
I think I have a crush on Raquel. Like, what would be the right answer? You know, if we could rewind and do this all over again and he really loved her and they really loved each other or whatever, what is the right answer? Because I think it's always so easy to say, you should have done this, you should have done that. But then in reality, like, there's no right answer. But I, I agree. I'm glad Lala asked that. And I think Ariana's answer was honest. She also was saying, like, I would have been mad, but I think I would have looked back on it and been like, okay, maybe that was handled in the best way possible versus now where it's like the worst way possible, you know? But it also goes to show you, as we've discussed many times before, and honestly, you know, a lot of it has been us taking cues from things that Ariana has said and specifically said to him, she was pretty much willing to do almost anything to kind of continue to make this work. You know what I mean? Which is why, as we always go back to, if this didn't become such a public scandal, I am not prepared to say there's not a world in which she wouldn't have been okay with it if no one ever found out. You know what I mean? If there was a way that she could have technically moved past it, it would have been devastating, of course. But like she was really in it and obviously a way that he wasn't, which is I think one of the additional reasons that this is so, so, so painful because she wasn't checked out. She wasn't one foot out the door, no matter how much he tries to paint it that way. She was in it in a deeper way than he even knew. I think if he saw footage now of just how in it Ariana really was and how almost proud of that she is and how committed she was and how proud she is to say how committed she was, he would not believe it. And that's, I think, where there's just so many fucked up things. When Lala said to her, this is the biggest gift, like they've showed you who they are, you got them both out of your life, like a double whammy. And then Ariana goes into her, you know, fuck yourself with a cheese grater. I felt that. Like, I think I think that is the biggest thing that she has realized through all of this was, yes, it happened in the worst way. And as she so eloquently always says is, I'm not humiliated, they are, but this is the best way it could have gone down. Because, by the way, she just had another commercial come out for Duracell batteries. Well, that's what I was going to say. You know, I know everyone is kind of like anti-Schwartz at the moment, but they were unnecessarily shitting on him for asking that question, which I actually thought was a great question that I was also curious about of like, how did this feel? It was a very unique juxtaposition of you are in the most devastating, traumatizing time of your life, yet at the same time, you quite literally have the entire world rallying around you. And you saw that elicited a very emotional response from her where she basically said, it's the only thing that got me through it. She's like, I couldn't even be alone. You know, she's like, I I really felt as though I had to be taken care of. And so, yes, she had people physically in her life nurturing her, but she also had just the the feeling of being nurtured by such a overly supportive fan base. And like, that's the power of not only reality television, but specifically reality television of a cast that has been in our lives for so many years. And that's something that Schwartz, which I'm sure at some different points we will talk about this because Schwartz was on Jackson Bernie's podcast this week. But he was saying when they asked him, like, why do you think this blew up so much? He was like, you know, there's a really big difference between movies and then reality TV. With reality TV, you are basically allowing these people into your home on a weekly basis, consistently. He's like, and so people feel invested in a very, very different way. And that's one, of course, why they felt so, and we all felt so mad at Sandoval and Raquel, but it's also why we felt so protective over Ariana. We feel as though we've grown up with her. Yes, and I also feel like part of this being the biggest blessing in disguise journey for her and blowing up the way it did be ending up being the best thing ever is that she now sees 
how many people love her, root for her, believe in her, think she's hot shit. And that will change the entire rest of her life because she now went through the worst thing ever and she sees how many people are there for her, not just from her most inner circle who made a spreadsheet to make sure that she never slept one single night alone in the house, but branching out all the way to fans, brands, celebrities, I'm sure family, just everybody like rooting for her, not just because Sandoval's the worst and an enemy and she was done dirty, but because separate and apart from that, they just love her and think she's a star and such a good person. And that that's going to extend far and beyond this. Like it is going to really, I think, change just her entire outlook on life. Well, I actually, it's it's interesting you say that because I totally agree. I mean, I think the irony of this whole situation and kind of the beautiful silver lining is that the trauma of this actually ultimately ended up equipping her with the confidence that she never really had in the entirety of her relationship with Sandoval. But I did see some comments and it's, you know, in like the dark holes of of TikTok where people are super hateful, where it was like, yeah, we feel bad for Ariana, but like, why are we, you know, making her out to be this hero? Really what happened is just that she got cheated on. And to me, that's just so not the take because it's like, yes, of course, on some level, there was just the initial push of sympathy, empathy, compassion that everyone had for her and wanting to lift her up. But it's what she did in the wake of such a traumatic experience that made people root for her even harder. You know, It's so easy, I think, for people to say like, well, she was getting these deals thrown at her. A lot of people would not have been in the the headspace to even do those collabs, to do those deals. Like she, she got herself out and she did the thing and she, every appearance was poised and was eloquent and kept it together and maintained this real strength. And I think that that is so much easier said than done. And that's why she's being so applauded for not the fact that she was cheated on, for the way she handled her pain in the aftermath, like while being vulnerable, but also I think conveying a lot of strength. And to me, that's really powerful. Yeah. And beyond the ads, it's ever it's just everything. It's like everything about her is in her own words, something about her. Yes, exactly. I came to the realization recently that I was just like desperately in need of a closet clean out because you know, when you're getting ready and you just can't find anything, you have so many things that you don't even wear that you can't find the stuff that you do wear. And it's just like a chaotic and unenjoyable process. That was me. I'm still, to be honest with you, in the process of cleaning out. But one of the biggest game changers for me in this process has been finding just like high quality essentials that I can mix and match with anything so that I can have less things, but the things that I have, I can wear with a lot. And I've told you guys about them before, but I think that Quince is one of the best at this in terms of just finding the high quality, affordable pieces. And they have a lot of really great sweaters. I love their Mongolian cashmere oversized boyfriend cardigans. I just find them to be so comfortable. I have them in a bunch of colors. They also have washable silk tops, which are amazing, like really easy, comfortable, high quality throw-ons that you can wear for so many different occasions. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. So The way that it works is by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and then passes that savings onto us, which is kind of like best case scenario for all involved. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. So indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash CBC for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash CBC to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash CBC. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like 
Generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service, I just want to know what I'm getting myself into. And oftentimes there can be so much nonsense or so much yada yada. For example, sneaky terms hidden in the fine print of contracts or bills that randomly go up without properly alerting you or budget airlines with cheap fares, but then exorbitant fees to make up for it elsewhere. And we just should not need to be dealing with this type of yada yada in our lives. And yes, you could read every single word of every single contract, and that's one way of avoiding it. Or you can go with a trusted brand like Metro by T-Mobile that helps you to get ahead and not pull you back. That's right. You don't take yada yada from life, so don't take yada yada from your wireless provider. Metro by T-Mobile has no contracts, no credit checks, no surprises, and not a yada yada, which honestly gives so much peace of mind. Like you shouldn't have to compromise for an okay option with sacrifices when you really deserve that full transparency. Stop by one of over 6,000 Metro stores nationwide. Obviously, the focus here was, of course, Sandoval and Raquel, but there were some other things thrown in. And I feel like one of the first things to talk about is the James and Lala segment. My honest opinion, and I think looking around the room I was in, this is the consensus, is like, yeah, it's interesting, but I'm over the mistress conversation. I'm over when. James threw the drink on Schwartz at the beach. Like it happened. It was great TV. And like we at the time recapping, we're like, oh my God, Vanderpump returned to form. But in all honesty, like the mistress combo is now, it, it's such history. It's a thing in the past. I mean, I yeah. thought, you know, one moment here when Raquel is saying that she feels Lala resented her because Lala loved the attention that she got from James. And then once Raquel came in the picture, she couldn't have it, which I mean, to me is just so inconsistent with reality and a really interesting look into her mind in terms of the way that she has reframed it. Because I think Lala's issues with Raquel really just stem from the fact that she kind of saw her for what she was from the beginning. But I thought another interesting moment was when Andy asked Lala, you know, why was she expecting Raquel to get over the fact that she had slept with James while they were dating? And she's like, I was expecting her to get over it because when I initially told her, she kind of was over it. She's like, it was only until it served her narrative after she made that stupid comment in Vegas and then she wanted something to hold on to. And listen, I think do you, while watching this, run the risk of like forgetting any bad things that anyone else did because you're just so mad at Raquel and Sandoval? Absolutely. But also as she was saying it, I was totally understanding what she meant because it did feel like that in retrospect, even though I remember at the time when we were watching it, you know, we did say, listen, yeah, it happened years ago, but Raquel was just finding out about it now. She's allowed to kind of have this reaction. But I I agree with Lala that the way that she almost kind of weaponized that was very intentional. Another thing that I just simply don't care about anymore is like the Oliver thing. And was Lala jealous that Raquel hooked up with Oliver? Like, I'm sorry, Oliver. I'm sure you're a very nice man and I fucking stan your mom. But I just... I don't really care that much. And to be honest, it's really hard because we even said this, and I will defend this point still. I actually think Raquel handled that situation pretty well. Like, actually very lovely, if you ask me. So if none of this had happened, I think we'd be sitting there probably singing her praises or at least saying, you know what, she did the right thing and this was like handled in a very clean manner. So to get back into that, I was like, all right, I got bigger fish to fry here. Let's keep it moving. Totally. And I actually meant to say this too, because on the commercial break tonight, I was talking in a group chat with Dave and Allie, who are our friends that, you know, historically have been very team Raquel and obviously disagree with her behavior. But they were kind of saying like, 
you know, it's a little bit annoying that in light of Scandaval, none of the other things are brought up and it feels as though that stuff was pushed under the rug. And my response is like, you know what? Sometimes something is just a big enough deal that that is what happens. Because yes, are there times throughout the season that Raquel had maybe been wronged and she had done things that in another world could be defended? Absolutely. But like, this is just one of those things that monopolize the situation. And to me, for very good reason. Yeah. I also, another moment that I was loving, and it was happened a couple times, was Lisa Vanderpump, I think, was processing and learning new information <laughs> while sitting in that chair. Know. You know, I'm like, Lisa, were you paying attention during the screeners? Like somebody gave you decaf tea because I think, like, <laughs> come on, let's look alive here. And she's like, wait, you dressed up as him while you were already shagging and it was Halloween? Like, yeah, Lisa, I love you, but like, come on, keep up. I was like, Lisa, the show is literally named after you. Like you have one job. What what do you mean? Of course. (laughs) You (laughs) literally have one job. You make the rules. Like they are your rules. You realize They are your rules. Yeah. Like I know I was, that whole thing had me shook. Oh, and then it was so great when uh, Ariana said, yeah, he was on stage looking into the crowd, seeing his two fucking girlfriends in matching sweatshirts because that is exactly what Andy asked him about in their one on one and and you know were you kind of turned on when you saw that and that's when Sandoval just straight up gaslit Andy of like no god forbid how could you say such a thing meanwhile of course that's what was going through his mind and even Ariana clocked him for it right he was turned on seeing both of them together he's turned on by himself being on stage getting all that attention and he's turned on by the fact that he can look and know this secret that Ariana doesn't know and that they're still keeping it so under wraps. I also think selfishly for Andy, he kind of loved that he was right in the middle of both girls getting to watch this go down. And he's like, yeah, I was there. I saw it happen. I felt the energy and here we are now. Okay. Moving to another segment. I know we're zip zop zooping around here, but it's just how (laughs) it's going to go tonight. Can I say one really quick thing about that? Yeah, before I zip zap. Yeah, before you zip zap. Okay, because you didn't listen to Schwartz on Jackson Brittany's podcast, right? No, no. Okay, just going off of what you said about him being turned on by himself on stage, is this not the most delusional thing you have heard? So obviously him and Brittany, like, are not friends in this current day. They have not spoken since July, 2020, when she texted him a belated happy birthday. And keep in mind, her and Jax have been very outwardly team Ariana. May 25th, he texts her out of the blue, yo, Brit, hope you're doing well. Our band is playing in Louisville, Kentucky. And if you have friends or family that want to come, let me know and I'll put them on the list. What? Is that the Shut the fuck up. No, and, and her reading it in her accent to Tom Schwartz on the podcast, even, even Schwartz was like, what? Like, is that so crazy? Forget everything else. That might be the craziest shit he's done. I know. And that honestly was one of the moments. And there were a bunch of others throughout this episode that like really, really highlight his level of just, you know, narcissism false sense of self, delusion, you know, self, whatever self-involvement, whatever you want to call it. But like, this is an egomaniac in his truest form. You're inviting Brittany Cartwright's family in Kentucky to your show? (laughs) Because they have to give tickets two for one to try and fill the seats. I mean, yeah. So I I just had to tell you that because I knew you would freak out. Go, Sorry, what were you going to say before? (laughs) No, perfect transition. Speaking of delusional, when they finally address the lightning bolt conspiracy, which I'm going to be honest, I'll tell you right now, and I will 
admit I was wrong. I have been a, what's the word? Skeptic? A cynic. Skeptic. Yes. Mm -hmm. I've been skeptical. I haven't believed it. I thought it was just either a coincidence or like, oh, ha ha, cute. But I didn't think it had this like real deep meaning. And when she said, I saw it, we had this connection. It really symbolized like who he was in my life and this person I thought Lisa Vanderpump was going to fall straight off that chair and cut her face open with a diamond. Like, literally, there's so much to this because, yeah, it it is crazy that she's getting a necklace to represent him and wearing it outwardly to match him and maybe hoping that somebody notices or doesn't notice or seeing how long that they can get away with having literally matching necklaces, okay? But then to do it on camera, to buy it on camera with another cast member and make it a thing and talk about it and pick it out in the store instead of going back the next day or going on Etsy and ordering it and getting it delivered to your apartment in the next five to seven business days. Like that is some sick shit. No, that is some sick shit. I mean, it's different, but it's on par with her having that conversation with Ariana about whether or not she's sexually attracted to Tom. It's like, yeah, that is exactly how I felt that Lisa Vanderpump was about to fall off that chair and cut her face on on her jewels on that dress. Like it was, it was gobsmack worthy. (laughs) (laughs) It was literally gobsmack worthy. You're so, so right. By the way, by the way, like, not that this is the most important perspective in all of this, but POV or Charlie. Like, <laughs> I was really having do a nice feel- day shopping with Raquel. It's about to be her birthday. She innocently picks out a beautiful necklace. You're like, yeah, go for it. Convinces her to buy the $800 necklace, which, like, by the way, if that ain't us every single day of the week, I know. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, it ends up holding this such deeper meaning when you thought she was just picking out a layering piece. Yeah, you are, without your knowledge, enabling the display of this affair. Like, f- justice oh for Charlie. Oh, my God. And, and justice for the, you know, the store employees who are like, of course we'll honor your discount. We know that you're a frequent customer. Like, <laughs> it, I, I can't. I just, this is, uh, I am like, you know, I, I really was afraid earlier in the day. Like, oh God, what if we're not awake to be able to record? I am so wired right now. I know it's 1251. I, if you told me it was 7 p.m., I would believe you. <laughs> okay, I have another left turn. Back to our last five minutes of the episode confessional. Hit me. St. Louis. Mm. <gasps> so this photo has been floating around of them posing in front of a monument in St. Louis. Like, clearly they're there. They're there together. It's not like they're just walking on the street or it could be anywhere. Like, they are in St. Louis. And it was, I think, one of his or her friends that eventually leaked this photo. Like, it wasn't from either of them. It wasn't posted anywhere. But the producer asked her, like, have you met his family? And she says, yeah, I met his mom in LA. She makes sure to clarify that. And then he's pressing, he's pressing. And of course, they get into the okay, so you actually went there, stayed, met his family, stayed with the family, and it was over Christmas time. And they fucking pull up that picture with a date, timestamp, the whole shebang. And she tried to pull the I don't recall. No. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I, 
I mean, first of all, brilliant work by this producer in terms of, you know, for lack of a better phrase, kind of playing her like a fiddle. And by the way, as is his job, like he, that is exactly what he needed to do. Because I think I was, I was thinking about it from the perspective of the producer, you know, who was really directly asking her the questions. Like here she is being so forthcoming at this point, you're going to get her to the finish line. Like we did not, it was really Kim Kardashian. We did not come this far to come this far. Like we did not come here to have you betray Tom's trust and give us the accurate timeline to then lose it over semantics with St. Louis. Like we're not going there. And so I was so glad that he really just didn't let that point go. I would feel bad because I do feel like the producer was pressing her, except he was so fucking right. Like at this point, the things that they were keeping secret were so silly and made no sense as to why those things would be a secret versus the rest of it. Everything was out there that it was the one final chance, like Troy Bolton, this is the last chance to get it right. This is the last chance to make it all right. Yes. And he had her in that chair. She was in full glam, blue crisscross dress, and they were not going to let her get up until we squeezed every last bit of information out. And look, yeah, I think it was hard for her. And I think maybe for a moment she was uncomfortable, but I actually think it did her a, a favor because she was, being eaten alive by the details that she didn't put out there when she was saying, yeah, now I'm 100% honest and truthful and I got everything off my chest. I actually think this was a big relief for her. And in turn, it fills in a lot of blanks and adds just more incredibly salacious, juicy details that I obviously was dying over every second of. Well, I also think in her mind, and I know this is like a really hard place to put yourself in because the level to which she has to go to rationalize any of this is something that I think for most of us is unfathomable. But even when they're talking about hooking up in Tom and Ariana's house, when Ariana was out of town for the funeral, there was a part of me that felt like, even though it was clearly so hard for her to say that information and, and, you know, do the quote, ultimate betrayal, the fact that the producer kept pressing her, it allowed her to like clean her conscience without her having to be overly forthcoming. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like, I think that if I'm her, if I'm her, it's like she can get it off her mind while still being able to tell herself that she was kind of coerced or forced into sharing that information. I know we're we're like engaging in a fucked up thought process to even go there, but we're dealing with someone with a fucked up thought process. Well, and also one step further to be able to sort of put the blame on the producer and production and the show when she has to eventually explain to Tom and say, this is why I said those things, even though we agreed and slash you didn't want me to like that. They pushed me into it and I sort of had no option, which like, I think in the grand scheme of things, maybe he won't care, but I think knowing him actually because of his control manipulation and sort of the spell he had over her, he'll be upset that she stepped outside the bounds and feel like she betrayed his trust and sort of broke this whole plan and code and story that they were sticking to together as a couple. So I'm curious if that sparks a fight with them, but I also don't know exactly when he found out that she exposed all of this, if it's now, and even what the status of the relationship, like I said earlier, was going into when he found out that she sort of went behind his back and spilled all these details. She couldn't even make it a week. Like the reunion happened. And then a week later, she sits down for the interviews and clearly was eating her alive, which like, obviously I don't blame her. The question about 
their relationship in current day is a really interesting one. Obviously, we saw that photo from last week or so when someone was boarding the flight and saw that he was sitting in first class on the phone with her, which could have been staged, could have been real, whatever it was. I think they're definitely in contact. Jackson, Brittany, Ash, Schwartz, that on their podcast. And Short said he honestly has not spoken to Sandoval in about a month. So he really doesn't know. You know, he makes a comment that when all of this went down, he basically said to him like, dude, if you're going to do all this, you better fucking marry her because like, what, what could it be worth it for? Something like that. Um, but he really maintained that he doesn't know the current situation, which I believe, I don't know if anyone else listened. I'm sure some people did listen to Shorts on Jackson Brady's podcast. It was a very different like side of him in that he was coming for Sandoval. He has a lot of resentment towards him. He's pissed. He's pretty much saying, you know, not that he's done with him. Obviously, they are very intertwined business-wise and a long-standing friendship, but he's like, I had to kind of take a step back. And it's very clear in the way that he was talking, in, in a different way than he ever had before. I I felt, not trying to defend him, I'm just saying I, I, I did feel that it was a little bit of, a, actually, a significantly different version of him when it comes to his approach on this than we have seen. I was listening to, I believe it was... Julie and Brandy on Jeff Lewis Live, and they went into Schwartz and Sandy's. I think they know him. I think it was them. And they were saying basically that Schwartz said to them, he has asked Sandoval to sort of stay away and lay low, not only from the business, but I think from him just to let everything cool down and breathe. But also I think because he's pissed and he realizes like their reputation was one with the restaurant and now they've put all their money and time and effort and literally torn apart his marriage, torn apart fucking Tom Sandoval's mom investing all of her money into it. And his stupid ass decisions have like really cost them. So of course he's mad. And then on top of it, it's not that he just fucked up their business. He lied in many ways, I'm sure to Schwartz. He put Schwartz in a lot of really, really bad and uncomfortable positions that now make Schwartz look even more like a liar and sort of like he just lied down and let them do whatever the fuck they wanted. It's it's sad. It it's, sucks. Uh, no, because it, like, it does. say what you want. They, you can put all your feelings aside. They had a beautiful friendship and I will stick by that because I think that they were really as much like brothers as you could possibly get as friends. And it was like kind of this incredible love story that they just like randomly met. They randomly became roommates and they went on this insane journey of like blowing up and being some of the biggest reality stars and also opening businesses and still being best friends in this way. It It's, it's unbelievable. And it's now it's sad that it has come to this because it was unfathomable to think that there could be something that could tear them apart. I know. I mean, you know, if I'm being my most honest, like I really reject putting Sandoval and Schwartz in the exact same category because I just do not think that they are. And, you know, I don't know if this is like a fatal flaw. I, I will not view Schwartz to be as bad of a human being as a lot of other people will. I'm not saying anyone's wrong for thinking that. I'm just saying my own opinion. I think that he's really messy. I really do not like the way that he has treated Katie in the past. Even on this podcast, he was saying that, you know, Yes, of course, he regrets the way that everything went down with Raquel in terms of ever kissing her, but he makes the comment, it was my knee-jerk reaction or like my first reaction to kind of discount Katie's feelings. He acknowledges that, which is like a terrible thing to think and feel. And I, there, no one's defending that. But to say that Sandoval and Schwartz are equal in terms of who they are as people, that's just not something that I stand by at all. I think that Schwartz is a far better human being. Yeah. No, I do too. You do, right? A hundred percent. Yeah. I also think he's hot. He was saying, because Jax was like, honestly, watching you at that reunion, it looked like you were 
like seriously crawling out of your skin. He was like, I have never like disassociated so hard. Basically. He was like, I just wanted to click my heels and get out of that. Cause he also was saying that he hated the optics of being in between them. Like he understood, obviously he was going to be on that side, but he just felt like it was really solidifying kind of, you know, his role in all of it. And then he just was so deeply uncomfortable. I can imagine. That sucks. It's such an uncomfortable spot. The whole thing is just, holy shit. I would pay pretty much everything I have for just the raw footage of Sheena and then Brock and Allie sitting in the trailer watching the reunion go down and getting their entire live reaction to that. Because every time it cut to that, I my my dopamine levels just hit a high. Well, Sheena's facial reactions were just so spot on. I mean, she was really more expressive than normal in like such a fabulous way. It was perfect. It was, it was so perfect. So fun and perfect. And I love Brock. I can't lie. I, we got a DM. Wait, I have to find this. Hold on one second. It's not just that one. We got multiple of that. I know, I know. But I need to give the original DM her credit because it is just how well you guys know us. Okay, Ruby Mac DM'd us Croy at BravoCon Energy, RIP, to the story I posted of Brock dancing and holding the vlog camera next to Sheena tonight at the premiere party. I just need you to understand that I think we are the only people in the world who not only saw Croy dancing and cheering on Kim at BravoCon, but reference it the amount that we do. Like, I actually think we bring that up <laughs> once a month. <laughs> well, no, in our own lives, forget the podcast. We bring it up weekly. Like we oh, see no. anyone, anyone supporting anyone. We're like, oh, huge Croy BravoCon energy. Right. So then of <laughs> course, naturally it trickles into the podcast and now trickles into everyone else's brain of like remembering it, even if you didn't even see it. But just <laughs> the fact that you guys thought that too, I like was consciously thinking it. I just, you, it was cracking me up and we got so many more after that. But I just, I need you all to know how amazing that reference is. Yes, beyond. Have you ever noticed how celebrities have brighter, whiter looking eyes? Their makeup artists have a little secret in their kit. Lumify Redness Reliever Eye Drops. Lumify dramatically reduces redness in just one minute. It literally happens right before your eyes to help them look brighter, whiter, and more awake for up to eight hours. No wonder it's so loved by influencers, celebrities, and makeup artists, and has over 6,000 five-star reviews on Amazon. Lumify is also the number one eye doctor recommended redness reliever eye drop, and it's FDA approved. No bleach, no dyes, plus it's made by the eye care experts at Bausch & Lomb. So whether you're on set, on a date, or running on just a few hours of sleep, you can have eyes that look brighter and whiter with Lumify eye drops. When you try it, you'll see that it's what your eyes have been looking for. Check out lumifyeyes.com to learn more. Academy is a new scripted podcast that follows Ava Richards, played by Mahalala of Leave the World Behind and HBO's Industry, a brilliant scholarship student who has to quickly adapt to her newfound eat-or-be-eaten world. Ava's ambitions take hold, and her small-town values break, in hopes of becoming the first scholarship student to make the list. Bishop Gray's all-coveted academic top 10 curated by the headmaster himself. But after realizing she has no chance at the list on her own, she reluctantly accepts an invitation to a secret underground society that pulls the strings on campus life and academic success. If she bends to their will, she'll have everything she's ever dreamed of. But at what cost? Academy takes you into the world of a cutthroat private school where money, power, and sex collide in a game of life and death. 
Follow Academy on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Academy early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. I would like to transition, if you feel ready for it, into what I consider to be the most anger-inducing moment of this entire reunion. I only feel ready because I just bought two t-shirts in honor of this moment, but I don't think I actually would ever be mentally, physically, emotionally ready, but let's just do it. So Andy asks Sandoval, have you slept with anyone else since you started sleeping with Raquel? And they all kind of chime in on different girls they heard about here and there. And Sandoval's like, where are you guys getting your information? And Ariana then says, well, you know who he did sleep with after him and Raquel started sleeping together? Me. And Sandoval takes a breath and then responds, yeah, she kept her t-shirt on. It was really hot. There's no words. No. When Andy said on, I think it was the radio, like after this episode, Tom Sandoval will be the most hated man in America tonight. It's that's true. He wasn't lying. He said, there's one comment that Tom makes that I think will infuriate everybody, but especially women around the the world. And that was it. We heard it and it was like, yeah, what a fucking disgusting asshole. It's a disgusting comment no matter what. It is so lame and low. And then on top of it, for all of us, so we're viewers, right? This is someone who dated Ariana for 10 years and lived with her and knew every single insecurity, ins and outs of her mental health and problems and things that she addressed and spoke so openly about, about her body and sex and intimacy, whatever, to make that fucking dig comment. I was, oh my God, I was absolutely livid. To me, that is just simply inexcusable. It was hands down the moment that made me the most mad throughout this entire reunion, throughout all three parts of this reunion. I would actually say maybe even throughout the entire season. I I, I was almost shocked at like my reaction because I was so angry. <laughs> let, let us not forget, I was also like dying of heat in my apartment because I couldn't turn on the air or open the window because of the smoke. But it was... It, it, it just, that was so fucked up. That was so, so fucked up. And by the way, and I know this is so not the point in all of this, having sex with a t-shirt on is like so fucking hot. I've had some of the best sex of my life wearing just an oversized t-shirt. And also it's like a comfortable thing. Like not like physically, but like literally in your relationship, just like this, like sexy, just woke up, like sort of spontaneous moment. I I can't. There's also like two parts of this. The actual comment of what he said was like really gross, but also where did he pull the audacity out of to be firing back? Like you do not have that right. You have zero privilege. So now you're going to start throwing digs at Ariana. So what? You're telling us that you weren't intimate with her and that was a huge problem and that you never had sex, but now you did have sex, but the way you had sex and what she wore when you were having sex wasn't good enough. And you're now going to bring it up after you fucked her best friend in your house that you own together while she was grieving her grandmother and her dog. Like just, I don't understand where that comes from. But it's not, okay, yes to every single thing that you just said, but it's not even like, and not that it would ever even be remotely okay, it's not even like this was a comment that he made when they were talking about just their sex life, Raquel aside, again, would still be disgusting and inexcusable. Him saying that was a direct response to Ariana saying, and I quote, you know who he did sleep with after him and Raquel started sleeping together? Me. 
And somehow he found that inside of him, that that was the response. That was what he was going to clap back when she was saying that after he was actively fucking her best friend, he went back and slept with her. Like you have to be so off your rocker that to think something like that, but then to say it and to say it with your chest. He said that like he was proud of it. And then the only person he apologized to for the comment was Schwartz. I can't. I can't. Yeah, you're right. It's like the, it's not like they were having a conversation about like how their sex is boring or how it wasn't fulfilling to him. It was a full-on comparison of like, yeah, we did have sex, but it was so boring. You didn't give it your all. So obviously I had to go fuck Raquel on the side. Like I, oh my God. And then of course, as you know, he's saying that, at least for me, my mind flashes back to the conversation between Ariana and Raquel where Ariana's talking about her body insecurities and why that sometimes can be a roadblock to intimacy. It's like, there are so many layers to this. You're shaming your girlfriend about sex that you had with her while actively fucking her best friend, while she is actively talking to that best friend about her insecurities about sleeping with you. Like we are, it, it, again, how many times do I say this, but I'm going to say it again. Ding, if we had a, I wish we had a fucking sound for this. That Howie Mandel is why this scandal hits different. <laughs> If you don't think I'm making us a little soundboard for that, yeah, you're wrong. (laughs) Were you as rocked as I was when they both fully answered the are you in love question with a very seemingly sure yes? Because when I saw Andy asking that in the previews and the trailer, I did not think that they were going to answer or I thought they would give some roundabout thing. No, they they said, yeah, we're in love. And she a couple times was dropping me, I'm in love with Tom Sandoval or because I was in love with Tom Sandoval. And that that was just something I was not expecting to feel on a, on a Wednesday night. I kind of was. I don't know. I, I mean, yes, it was in some ways shocking, but I felt like clearly, you know, I'm sure that was something that they had talked about before. And I feel like in their eyes, as twisted as it maybe is, somehow in the scheme of things, it's more acceptable if the feelings are so real and so strong. Like if I'm them and I'm trying to get in their heads, one, I think that they really did feel in love or whatever their version of in love is. But I also think, you know, there was something they had in the back of their minds of like, at least let us show everyone this was worth it. Like, yeah, we're going down in flames. We're going down in flames together kind of thing. Yeah. I I just, I I guess I just couldn't believe it. This was like on believable television. That's why I really don't want people to be too focused on any disappointment they may feel about it not being a quote bombshell. Like, let's remove that for a second. Even without those last five minutes, this was an excellent reunion. It was everything. I mean, those last five minutes alone are incredible television because you're seeing somebody at their most raw and honest and divulging things that are so just like juicy. Like that's the best way. It's like the best gossip details we ever could have possibly gotten. It was just that extra further step as if everything wasn't already unbelievable enough and just blow your mind crazy as we find out more and more and more. It just was like the cherry on top of like, oh, you think you knew it all? You think you were getting bored with it? You think you had fatigue from Scandival? Well, let me throw five more bullet points onto your plate and do with it what you will. Wait, another moment that we didn't even talk about is when Andy asks, why did you do it? And Raquel says, I did it because Tom and I had this connection. I felt seen and heard by him. And Ariana goes, not by me. 
And Raquel basically says, you know, I never confided in you in personal things, whereas I felt more comfortable to confide in Tom. And before she gets into the point about being a people pleaser, which we will touch on, that's when Ariana kind of chimes in basically saying, well, that off the bat is inappropriate. And I think that those are moments that can kind of be overlooked because obviously we got so deep into Scandaval so quickly. But when you zoom out for a second and you kind of backtrack, it's like, what was the progression of this? In that before anything happened physically and before there was even this romantic emotional affair, there was an emotional connection that even potentially started as platonic, but crossed a line. You know, it, it was a blurry line because of the dynamics of this friend group and the unique nature with which they operate. But to me, that was a telling moment because already Ariana is acknowledging that like something about their connection before anything even happened wasn't kosher, which it wasn't. But it was one of the first times that I felt I heard her kind of talk about that time period. Like we've gone so deep, we forget about that initial stage. Okay, so this conversation is definitely a blind spot for me because I did not hear any of that. (laughs) So I'm like just listening to you like, wow, that's so interesting. What an amazing point. Interesting, right? Yeah. And then Raquel says, I've been a people pleaser my entire life. And then I decided to drop that and please myself. And Ariana says, so my dog died. I cried in your arms and you decided I should go fuck her boyfriend. I, I feel like that goes back to what she said last week or the week before when she was like, I really was going to focus on myself and do what I wanted, but I think the pendulum swung too far one way, which like in a weird way was actually a very self-aware and true statement that she made, which was like, okay, yeah, you can be selfish and, you know, stop being a people pleaser and leaning and lean into what you want to do, but you didn't have to go that hard. But that's kind of the thing about Raquel and why moments like this give us such insight into the way that her mind works and that she's not making the decision to sleep with Tom Sandoval because she's really thinking it through in this deep way. And it's what she's feeling like intuitively called to do. There was clearly a process for her where she was actively stopping being a people pleaser. It wasn't as though this happened and then she realized she was no longer people pleasing. It was like she decided she wanted to change the way in which she operated. And this seemed like a thing to do to do that. It's kind of like when Tristan was apologizing to Chloe and he keeps buying her jewelry. He's not doing that because he genuinely felt as though he was sorry and he wanted to apologize. He's Googling, what does one do when they fuck up? Oh, This is a thing that someone does, like they buy a diamond necklace. And to me, it just so clearly illustrates the way in which she kind of thinks thinks through things or or some could say doesn't think through things. Yeah, everything's so like black and white surface level. Like I almost feel like she views her whole life like a Candyland board, you know? Like it's very cut and dry like that. And like, that's obviously just not how life works. That's why it's like, I please do not, misunderstand what I am saying. These were two consenting adults that did a really fucked up thing and betrayed the trust, the friendship, and the relationship of someone that had been nothing but kind to both of them. However, or like not however, in addition, in my belief, at least specifically from what I saw tonight, we are also talking about someone that was the absolute best possible candidate to be manipulated by a narcissist. I'm not excusing her behavior because it's inexcusable, but it really paints such a clear picture to you of exactly how this happened. And not just the person who is so easily manipulated, a actual devil manipulator who leverages his power and preyed on the weak and 
I mean, the duo combined, plus all of this sexual tension, fitting into each other's lives, curing his midlife crisis, curing her, whatever was going on with her. Like, it's almost the perfect storm when you really look at all of the pieces put together. Yeah, it's like when you're watching Shark Week and you see, you know, the great white attack, the seal. No, it's true. Because I always say to myself, like, as a seal, what the fuck are you doing in shark infested waters? There's only one outcome here. Like, you shouldn't have been there in the first place. However, if I'm the shark, of course I'm going for the fucking seal. Right. But this is more also if, like, the shark and the seal really wanted to fuck for a long time. And also the seal was looking for a little something. Well, that's the thing. It's like, I I always feel like there's two ways to get around, yet the seal's choosing the dangerous route. You know what I mean? <laughs> Stick to the stuff you know. Stick to the stuff you know. Exactly. <laughs> why oh, have I quoted God. High School Musical twice in this episode? I don't know. Why are we like on Discovery Shark Week? <laughs> I, don't know what's going I mean, on. you were the one who came into the set. I just have a feeling I'm going to sing tonight. And so far, <laughs> I haven't heard a tune. It's taken everything in me because at any moment I can feel myself. I got that Uber one tip for you. <laughs> Well, you know it's bad because they started playing good as gold at the party tonight and Sheena obviously ran downstairs, got on the stage in her pink glitter jumpsuit. But it took me a good like minute to realize it wasn't the commercial. It was the actual original song. Oh, for me, there's no such thing as the original song. It is the Uber One <laughs> remix. I have, this is the only thing I have been singing. And I saw a lot of comments of people being like, God, I can't get this out of my head. It's so annoying. I'm like, I love it. I absolutely fucking love singing this. I'm not sick of it. Uh, I think I just want to hum it down Fifth Avenue and see who will join in because I think it would be everybody on every corner. It would be. A membership. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Savings. <laughs> yeah. To save on rides and eats. It's so good. Oh, wow. So good. I mean, I don't know. There's so much here. What time is it? Let's see. One twenty-one a.m. I just, I know I'm sure we miss things. This is a 10-page outline, which I actually can't even believe that we were able to take notes during the, it just, uh, guys, I don't know. I'm telling you right now, I could have watched the season as could you have and been fulfilled, but the level of fulfillment to be able to watch it and then to be able to come on here, talk to you about it, and then also talk to other people about it that watched and then heard our conversation. It's like basically the ability to have a massive group FaceTime. And I know sometimes it's frustrating because like you're screaming into the abyss and you want us to hear you, but we do see the DMs. And like, I feel like when you and I are talking, we're talking to everyone. I swear to God, I feel like that. No, the camaraderie is just unmatched. With all of you, it's unmatched. Yeah, it's the best thing ever. Like, I just love freaking out about it, talking about it, hearing your opinions. Like, It's so much fun. And honestly, I'm going to miss it. Like, I don't think it's going anywhere. And of course, we have a million other shows and everything's so exciting. But this season of Vanderpump Rules was really one for the books for so many reasons, obviously for us personally. And like you said, the feelings, getting to talk about it. But I mean, reality TV is alive, baby. Yeah, it just felt really good to be experiencing this as a Bravo fan. It felt like we were finally getting the attention that we deserve. And I also want to mention... Obviously, now that Vanderpump has concluded, of course, next week we will be covering the Jersey reunion, which I know is really going to heat up next week, but tell you right fucking now, Louis is bad news. And I would say this is one of Teresa's worst looks at a reunion in a while. Yeah, we've been neglecting Jersey, Atlanta, OC premiere, Summer House. We'll get back into our normal groove, but this just naturally was all I cared about and wanted to talk about. And I think all everybody wanted to hear. So, oh my God, what a ride. 
What a ride. You actually, you were there, so you didn't see the OC premiere. We'll, we'll talk about OC in, in next week. I, I will say just one like very brief thought for anybody that did watch it. I think this season premiere was stronger than the last season premiere because having Tamar back, it gave us that like OG energy, but more than that, it gave us something of substance to care about. Like the friendship between Tamara and Shannon, we know that runs deep, you know, even Gina and Heather, like, yeah, it's a relatively new one, but it, it felt just more substantial. Did Lala say anything interesting on Watch What Happens Live? Hold on, let me pull up my notes. Um, well, I while you're getting that, I'll say I saw a clip where Tamara calls Teresa the most overrated housewife of all time. And this is such a funny tweet. Sarah Heron wrote, Tamara calling Teresa the most overrated housewife of all time. Can we fast forward to squash that beef at BravoCon 2023? Yes, immediately my first thought. Oh, an interesting thing that she said was one of the viewers asked her response to Sandoval's IUD comment from last week. And she said she's glad she didn't hear it in the moment because she's not a violent person, but she thinks she would have gotten physical. Yeah, I knew she did not hear that comment. For no, anyone no, no. who doesn't remember, I think it was Sandoval said Lala pulled out her IUD the minute Stasi got pregnant. Yeah, which was just so disgusting on par with the the t-shirt one. She also, her and Tamara both said that they are Team Melissa. Hmm. Interesting, interesting. Louis is just, he's bad news. I know we, we went back and forth, this, that. No. He's that that guy's bad news. Bad, bad, bad news. All right, you guys. What a ride. Can't believe it's over. Is there anything else that you would like to add? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like literally a million things. <laughs> but I need to go to sleep. I know, I know. Well, we love you guys. Thank you for listening. Thank you for letting us do this. Thank you for caring about Bravo in the way that we do. And Julie and I will be back tomorrow for our Kardashian recap. We love you. We just love you so much. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.